Hey there, this is Andy Baker, and you're listening to the Baker's Dozen podcast, where I serve up analysis of current TV series from the perspective of a development executive and screenwriter, and I do so 13 bites at a time. This is FetCast number seven, where I deep dive into the season slash series finale of The Book of Boba Fett, In the Name of Honor. Here we are at the end of the Book of Boba Fett, and I, for one, am good with that. Without any further ado, because there's no point in a preamble, we're moving on to number one. One. What exactly does Boba Fett do? Amando did not tell him where he was going when he went to Freetown to talk to Vanth. And clearly in this conversation early in the episode, they haven't talked as a, even between Boba Fett and Fennec, had not talked about uh, Spice as a revenue stream before this. So what does Boba Fett do with his time as a crime lord? And uh, of course, and then Fennec is the one who came up with the whole plan about how to deal with the Pikes and the Syndicate. And this is all news to Boba Fett. And it's a horrible plan. They split up their small forces and spread them all around town. And this was supposedly so that they could see where things are coming from, but they didn't see the Scorpionic Annihilator droids coming. So clearly that didn't work. And you put uh, Black Kersantan among the Trandoshans, the very same race that he attacks randomly at the sanctuary because he hates them because they enslaved him. That doesn't seem very smart. And there wasn't any reason to believe that the three most Espa factions would not turn on them. Where's the skepticism, healthy skepticism? Where's the worry? So that wasn't factored into their plan that they might be betrayed by people who have a vested interest in keeping the syndicate happy, probably. And then the whole plan about how they're going to fight there was no plan around the rancor. Apparently, Boba Fett just had to remember partway through the fight, oh yeah, I've got this huge monster that I've been training to ride, and I think I can control it as it fights, but well, I'm not going to work that into the plan. Oh, and by the way, I also have a spaceship that I used not that long ago to blow up an entire gang for something they didn't do, but I'll talk about that later. Oh, and Mando has a ship too. None of this was factored into the plan. Like, why don't you sit down and come up with a plan and not just have Fennec not only come up with the plan, but then enact the plan and then tell you once the plan is underway, oh, this is what we're doing. I know I need to stop ranting, but gosh, this is terrible writing. Terrible, terrible, terrible. Dude. Oh, by the way, the bad guy's plan stinks too. So... Why exactly do you send in a bunch of foot soldiers who can't hit anything that they shoot at? Why well, don't, obviously that's a Star Wars staple, so there's only so much you can say about that. But you have these massive droids who are borderline indestructible that you can send out first. Isn't that what you do? Of course, they didn't want to do it because, again, it's convenient storytelling. You want to have the surprising reversal. Oh, it looks like they're going to defeat the Pikes, but no, just wait. Here are the droids. That's when you let the 
narrative get altered by what you want to show on the screen as opposed to how it would probably actually, and granted it's a sci-fi world, but this is how it would play out. You would send in these droids first, not have them show up after a whole bunch of your people, and they don't have a ton of people. All of these people have been mowed down, then, okay, now we'll send in the droids. And also, the droids, they have this firepower advantage, and one, the droids, clearly the all antagonists in the Star Wars universe, not only can they not hit things when they shoot at it, but they program their droids to do the same. But you know, all of the townspeople and all of our heroes are hiding behind low walls that are pockmarked. Like, why don't you have the droids keep shooting at those walls until they blow up and then you kill everybody? But they don't. It's maddening. They should be pressing their advantage and they're not. Yeah, good guys plans things. Bad guys plans things too. Three. Gender problem. Just wanted to point out that the death of Garza Fwip last week and the female Tuscan earlier in the season, now that the season is at an end, we can look back at what they did and how they did it. And they clearly are trying to balance the scales here at the end by upping the presence of Drash, the British accent, speaking Maud and Fennec. Obviously, she's been around the whole time, but uh, Drash as a character is there, is largely ineffectual, felt very much like she's there for the gender balance. And they're clearly ticking off some boxes here. They had diversity, they had gender diversity, they had racial diversity, and all to the good. But when it comes to this gender question, we have Fennec being brutal at the end, killing the mayor, the three traders, the local syndicate, Pike representative, but the balancing doesn't forgive choices that are made. They made choices as writers that Garza Fwip was used as a way to validate the extreme measures used against the Pikes and the three Mos Eisley faction leaders. It validates their assassination. And she was there to get blown up. That's, again, it's a trope. And it is one that supposedly anyway, the TV writers and producers are supposed to be trying to correct those kinds of obvious choices. And then of course you factor in the fact that the female Tuscan was instrumental in training Boba Fett ends up being really key in the whole hover train sequence. And then when they are wiped out, the Tuscan Raiders, his tribe of Tuscan Raiders. We get to see the male leader, his body on the ground. We get to see Boba Fett put the small gaffy stick into the fire, representing presumably now the child because the child didn't live, nor did the woman, but you get no closing moment there. These gender choices, giving her no moment there, that female Tuscan, she didn't even have a name. Obviously, none of the Tuscans did. But then Garza Fwip also leaves the story and seemingly was introduced early enough where we th might have thought she'd be an interesting character over the course of the series. But they're just to die. And, um, yeah, there's a gender problem here in the Book of Boba Fett, and it's one of the things that make me not like the series and hope it doesn't come back. Yeah, I said it. Four. Underdevelopment issues. So I talked last week 
uh, about the fact that when you underdevelop characters and storylines, things end up feeling unsatisfying when you get to a finale. And here we had it. Boba Fett throughout the episode is saying things like, these are my people and I need to defend them. And we never got this as he just took over the job. He walked around town a little bit and decided that th these are his people. I, we never saw them think very highly of him. All we heard was that they don't respect him. And suddenly like this is his sense of honor. Like he's latched onto these people. We never see it. He tells us it's the whole show. Don't tell. We didn't get any show. It's all tell. And not wanting to be left out, we have the mods where we have Drash saying that these people need our protection. We're not going to leave here and go, you can go and hide out in your palace if you want. Can I just point out, these people were stealing water a few days ago. They had no role in this town, really. And now they're willing to risk everything for the citizens of Mos Espa because this is their town and they don't like what the pikes are doing. You were probably aware the whole spice trade was going on. Now it's suddenly an issue and you're going to stand up like, what? It's absurd. And you could have built it up over the course of the season if you hadn't given two episodes away to the Mandalorian, although I'm glad you did because it was so much better. But story-wise, if you want to build to these moments that they're throwing down and willing to throw down, you need to develop those characters over time. But there was no time spent with them. They go from being people who are stealing water to being revolutionaries in what? 10 minutes of screen time, half of which was the little Vespa race around you're chasing the major domo. Come on now. You can do so much better, but this is what you get when you underdevelop things from the beginning of the season because you got nothing to pay off. Five. Boba Fett killed an entire gang and he was wrong. Boba Fett killed the entire Nikto speed biker gang. He believed that they had killed his family, the Tuscan Raider family, who had taken him in, that tribe had taken him in, and they got wiped out. And he finds out in this episode that they didn't do it, that it was the Pikes who framed them. And he wiped them out, flying overhead with his ship and blasting them. And we're just going to gloss over that. We got that scene that shows some of the Nikto speed bikers attacking the moisture farmers. We saw them being jerks at the bar and that suddenly now looking back, supposed to rationalize that they get killed in this way as a mistake, Boba Fett was acting on incorrect information and there's not even a moment of conscience. If we're supposed to be buying this as a softer, gentler, wiser, kinder Boba Fett, then he's got to react to this information in some way, but he doesn't. He just killed them and I guess they deserved it because they were bad people, but Boba Fett should be questioning his choices when he finds this out, but we get none of that because we had to have a lot of fun action and we didn't want to feel bad about our titular hero. Uh, it's once again, it's just bad writing. Like you, how can you gloss that over? It, it, it drives me nuts. Six. Six. Ridiculous action beats. So I'm just gonna just rip off a few things here as to just moments in all of this action where 
whether it's direction, whether it is writing or a combination thereof, there's just so many choices here. You have Kersantan being tackled by a bunch of Trandoshans who, by the way, all of them had weapons a minute ago, but suddenly none of them have it and they're just going to pile on top of him. And uh, by the way, uh, all the guns went to the Aqualish, like you're not going to give any of the Trandoshans guns because then you don't have to get in close to the Wookiee, just start shooting him. Although we did see people try to shoot him later and apparently he's somewhat impervious. Anyway, obviously the Aqualish can't shoot nor can the Annihilator droids, nor can anybody, really. We get the death of the Amorians. Okay, so on the good side of the ledger, you have to have some people die, but they're not going to kill off anybody major. And so those are the ones who end up being chosen to die. And it's really ridiculous. That's the choice that they made, but whatever. Anyway, throughout the action, whenever you have action, you have suspension of disbelief. And it's the fact that you know, if you had the droids being able to shoot and had all the pikes being able to shoot, then everybody would be dead. And that's not what we want from the story. So I understand suspension of disbelief, but the longer the sequence goes on, the more you're asking us to suspend our disbelief. And when we have moments like every single pike shot, either misses everybody altogether, or when it hits Mando and Boba, it's always in their armor. And again, we expect some of that to happen because suspension of disbelief asks us of us, our protagonists need to get through the story. But when it happens over and over and over and over again, it reaches a point of absurdity. And then we get things like Scad's spin move before he shoots because he's supporting Black or Santin, and it's just completely needless and it looks absurd. Like you can do needless in action. I get it. Like Boba Fett and, and Mando had a bunch of their like tandem fighting stuff, which was a move and a spin and a whatever, but it all looked pretty natural. But this one was just egregious. And anyway, and then there's just the overall question of like, why do you keep shooting these droids when the shields obviously absorb it all? Like you need to have them learn the lesson of, okay, we're going to have to concentrate our fire or we're going to need something bigger or something. But it goes on and on and they do the same thing over and over again. And we know it's not going to amount to anything. And like what, I, I, the longer it goes on, the more it's like, why are we watching this? And uh, sadly, I've been asking myself that very question all season long. Seven. Some cool action. I'll give credit where it's due. I did uh, like some of the Rancor action here. It wasn't set up enough. They needed to do more with that early in the season, but had some interesting moments. But again, that too went on way too long. The Darksaber continues to be cool. It was set up with all of the Mando material and which is interesting. And they, they nerfed it enough so that it wasn't too powerful, but it still ended up being underused and ended up slicing one limb. But okay, still the Darksaber is cool. And, uh, baby Yoda ripping out a bolt is cool. And the Boba Fett Bane fight is cool solely because Cad Bane is just so incredibly cool. But, uh, yeah. So I, I figured I had to throw in a little bit of positivity in here that there were some things worth experiencing in this final episode, but again, narratively speaking, not enough support and foundation for it. And so it's just eye candy. Eight. Believe it or not, I want a spinoff from this series. But not anything involving Boba Fett or Fennec or any of the major players here. I want a 
sitcom with Pelimato and the major domo having their dating life together. Like I'm totally here. I can see a relationship between the two of them, but they've got the wacky droids and I, I just, I like the energy of both of them. They are funny. They're good counterpoint. They're good actors, really enjoyed them. Uh, I like things like Pelimato saying that Grogu is a terrible name. I enjoyed watching the Majordomo presenting Boba's offer. It at least was some character stuff and brought some personality. But yeah, so give them their own spinoff and, and give us a Star Wars sitcom. And I'd be all over that. By the way, just throw in here into this one. I, I am always, A, happy to be wrong and B, always admit when I'm wrong. And I thought we weren't going to get Grogu's choice until Mandalorian 3. The fact that he picked the armor and decided to help out. I'm very glad they did uh, because once again, it gave us all of the Man Mandalorian and Grogu. They gave us all the best moments of this entire series and of this episode as well. Nine. The one episode arc. Now I'm always interested when you have a, you have series long arcs, you have big character arcs when you're mapping out the season. And then you have storylines that begin and end within a single episode. And what I found pretty interesting, and then sometimes those choices, you make them when it's okay, I, I, maybe it wouldn't stretch over a whole season or it could, but decided not to, it got moved to the back burner, but maybe we'll work it into an episode. And that's what it felt like in this episode where we encounter for the first time, some sniping you know, arguments edge to the issues between the people of Freetown and the mods representing Mos Eisley, where they're calling each other sand scurriers and city rats. And uh, then they resolve it later in the episode when they agree to go up there and snipe together where, you know, we, again, checking off boxes, we have, they're both females and one is black and one is white and one's a character from Freetown and one from the city. And so it's representing different, maybe socioeconomic class. Anyway, checking off lots of boxes and they're going to resolve their differences so that they can all get along moving forward. So we get some sense that after the pikes are gone, that uh, these people can live in some sense of harmony and peace. Anyway, this all happened in a couple of conversations over one episode where you could have built that up over the course of the season. But again, they only had the five episodes and they wanted to spend three of them on the Tuscan rebirth of Boba Fett. But uh, so it's always interesting to me when they throw in this one episode arc, they could have done a lot more with it. It might've been more interesting and it could have paid off in this whole fighting sequence. Okay. Are they going to come and help based on some of the clashing we've had earlier and so on? Like you could have built that up over multiple episodes, but again, they didn't do that interested in it and yeah man it would have been interesting to be in that writer's room and hear them talk through all of these choices because it's just so messy there was potential there and they just left so much on the table 10 is cad bane really dead i was surprised when they decided to have boba fett kill cad bane cad bane is very cool and they're Exchanges were interesting, but Cad Bane got all the best lines. He, Cad Bane was one of the coolest things of this whole season, but I guess we can't have nice things. And yeah, so Boba Fett takes him out. That said, when I rewatched the episode today and was watching carefully, hopefully for any signs of life, 
and that little red light on his chest, which we don't know what it's for. There's lights everywhere in Star Wars, but it's blinking and there's a beeping noise that goes with it. And if you rewatch that scene, they really like, they drop out the sound behind it. And so you can really hear that beep, 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 calling attention to that blinking and makes me think he's not dead. And why would they kill him? He's too cool to die. Plus, it just seems like the kind of thing that you want to bring him back later. And certainly, Filoni is known for bringing characters back. I don't want to spoil anything for you when it comes to the Clone Wars, but people you think are dead ain't dead. That's something Filoni does. So I'm going with not dead for Cad Bane, and I'm also crossing my fingers and hoping that Cad Bane's not dead, because why get rid of the cool things? Like, yet yeah, Boba Fett can die at this point. I don't care. You can take Fennec out too. I don't care. Keep the cool characters. I'm so glad Timothy Oliphant is, um, you know, Cobb Vance is still alive, but make Cad Bane alive too, please. Eleven. Mando really is the best. There's almost no moment on screen when Mando is there that I don't enjoy. Everything from his sense of honor and sincerity to the Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid almost moment with Boba where they're going to burst out. And then, of course, the Major Domo interrupts, but then they do go out and fight together. His interactions with Grogu when Grogu force jumps into his arms, there's so much affection there. And it feels so genuine. It's not all acting, but it is. Pedro Pascal is talking to a puppet. And yet you believe those moments. And then parental interaction between Mando and Grogu when Grogu's smacking the little ball into his little window on the Naboo Starfighter because he wants Mando to hit the afterburners. All of that stuff. It is, these are the best moments. And this is not the book of Boba Fett. It's, it's a poorly named show. Like all the best moments, if you were to go back and look at this whole season and list all of the best moments, from these past seven episodes, would Boba Fett show up in any of them? I don't think he would. Twelve. A few small things. The Ranker. We didn't see the training that the Ranker got. Obviously, that would give too much away, probably. But we pretty much only had the one scene when he first showed up, and I want to start training. And then we had the little grabby claws when he was having uh, a meeting, when Boba was meeting with the heads of the three factions of Mos Espa. But then you have him becoming King Kong all over the town. And why you don't see that he might lose control of this thing. But on the flip side, I will say, that, that the nap time thing, while totally random that he would end up, that Grogu would be napping with him at the end. Like I try to picture them pitching that in the room and saying, yeah, here's what's going to happen is baby Yoda is going to use the force to calm him down and subdue him. Th that has precedent in the Star Wars universe. That works. But then somebody was like, yeah, but we need to have baby Grogu do, you know, something cute after that. And we know that when he uses the force, he gets really tired. Let's have him cuddle up with the rancor. Okay. I, I saw it and I was like, okay, that's absurd, but it's cute. Anyway, just wanted to throw that in there. I don't know what to say other than what? Okay. Moving on to the next thing. How is it that Moss Eisley does not have any defenses at all? They're a spaceport, right? People come, people go, big ships come in. You would think that they'd have some sort of defenses and then Two of these droids come in and wreck the place. They have nothing. If they didn't have a ranker on hand, 
the whole town would have been destroyed. With two droids, what kind of city has defenses that poor? Okay, next thing. Why would the mayor, the pike leader, and the leaders of all of the factions be in one space at one time after they have lost this fight? Like, things went south. The whole plan went sideways, and the their droids are dead. All of their foot soldiers are dead because their plan was terrible. And yet they've gathered up in this one place where they can all be killed. Wouldn't you leave? Wouldn't you like hop on the first ship to get off planet? Because last we heard the mayor was off planet. That's what we were told. But now suddenly he's down here and wringing his hands over the choices. And yeah, they have to be killed in a convenient scene. And so we need them all in one place so it can be over quickly. And then finally... The assassination, it's very clean ending to that storyline, but conveniently clean in that. So assassinating people as opposed to letting the people of Mos Espa have some say in what happens to the people who are instrumental on who are doing this to Mos Espa. Like that's the rule of the land now. That's what a kinder, gentler Boba Fett, that's how he wants to rule is that you assassinate people rather than some sort of legal thing. I, we haven't seen any court rooms or anything. There's another spinoff show for you, a Star Wars space court. But anyway, so assassinating people, apparently that's just how you deal with um, anybody as opposed to holding them publicly accountable so people can see that a wrongdoing is handled in a reasonable way. Anyway, moving on. 13. No point in predictions. And yet, despite that, I will predict a little bit in that I really don't think there's going to be any more Book of Boba Fett. I think we saw here at the end of this season that he has left Mos Espa in the hands of the mods and Kersantan, and presumably because I don't think you leave the ruling of this place to the mods and a violent Wookiee. You're going to have Robo Raylan Givens Cobb Vanth. He is going to be taking over Mos Espa as Boba Fett goes back out into the world. And I don't think we need to follow him. I think we can stay with Cobb Vanth. Like, I am all over that. Although, as I understand it, Timothy Oliphant is going to be doing a new Justified series, and he wouldn't be available for this, maybe. Although, I guess, short seasons, he could probably squeeze it in. I don't know. Uh, I hope so. But uh, no more Boba Fett for me. And other than that, anything I might predict would be about... Mandalorian season three, but we'll get there when we get there. Okay, everybody, that's a wrap. There was an announcement that Obi-Wan, the next Star Wars Disney Plus series, is going to be uh, debuting in May. House of Dragons, we don't know when that might kick off. Uh, Lord of the Rings, uh, probably not till fall. We might find out this Sunday during the Super Bowl. Uh, they might give it a date, although don't know. They're always hesitant to have those dates in place, particularly when they are post-production heavy, that uh, there could always be delays. But anyway, those are the shows that I had had on the horizon. I don't have anything on my immediate horizon. So looks like I am done podcasting for a bit. And who knows what happens between now and May or when any of these shows debut. I know that I have project work coming up and uh, perhaps that will take my time and that this is uh, goodbye.
we shall see. But I, I do know that I've lost some of the wind for my sales and that I'm 0 for 2 in series where I, I really didn't enjoy the Wheel of Time as much as I would have liked to. And obviously I've been ranting about the book of Boba Fett and uh, yeah, I don't enjoy being negative. I, I really like to praise great television writing. And sadly, this was not it, but maybe there will be some great writing on the horizon. Again, I like to do it when I get to praise them, but when all I am seeing are a bunch of poor choices and I would like to be in that room to help them avoid making those choices, because that's what I do. I, as a writer, actually my strongest skill is helping already good writers make their writing great. And that's what I live for. And with something like the book of Boba Fett, I would have loved to be involved and, and help guide things and give feedback to make things better. Lots of shows need this. And uh, even really strong, great, creative people like Filoni and Favreau could use some of that feedback. But anyway, I'm just ranting now and talking wistfully about things I would like to do. Anyway, I wanted to say thank you for listening over the course of this season. And hopefully I will see you somewhere down the line. Until then, be well, and I'll talk to you soon.